massive DDoS attacks be stopped, and the impact of a momentous breach on Yahoo's future. These stories are more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start off today's report with a look at last week's massive distributive denial of service attack that disrupted some of the internet's most popular websites involving devices infected with the Mirai malware. Collectively known as the Internet of Things, tens of millions of these devices targeted the domain name system service provider Dyn. To discuss the challenges to defend against such massive attacks, I'm joined by ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kerr. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Eric. Unlike DDoS attacks of the past, this one employed Internet of Things type devices. Why so? They've moved to these devices because they're poorly secured. In the past, hackers targeted Windows machines because those computers were relatively easy to hack. As Microsoft and other companies have improved the security around desktop systems, they've looked for weaker ones. And these so-called Internet of Things devices often have default passwords or no passwords at all and are easy to take over. When your personal computer is infected with malware, oftentimes you'll see performance-related problems. But when you plug in a digital video recorder or say a baby monitor into your router you plug it in and walk away even though it's participating in a ddos attack it may have no performance impact so your internet might not slow down and once you plug it in you never do anything else with it it just runs how can these device enabled ddos attacks be stopped Long story short, there is no good answer. One possibility is to get ISPs, which have visibility on traffic that comes from your home internet connection, to detect the attack traffic and then notify customers that something on their device is generating attack traffic. We saw this years ago with very large botnets that distributed spam. Some ISPs began notifying their customers, but it's a very slow process to try and notify customers and have them clean up their desktop computer. This is further complicated because these devices can't necessarily be cleaned up. The only solution for many of them is to simply shut them off. Tell me about Lori Love. Lori Love, who's a British citizen facing hacking-related charges in U.S. federal court, summed up this possibility. He wrote on Twitter, Should I unilaterally dismantle the Mirai botnet, which would take about two hours of work and break the law in 90% of the world's nation-states? He's positing that he could potentially take over these devices and render them inoperable, and that would take these sentries participating in a DDoS attack out of service. That poses a lot of legal issues because if you take over somebody's device, you're essentially sort of hacking their computer. Law enforcement and security companies in the past did do some things that pushed the legal boundaries in order to stop botnets. It seems the best defense against device-driven DDoS attacks would require a cultural change in which manufacturers design these devices to not only be more secure, but to enable them to update their security protections. Yeah, the proactive approach is for IoT manufacturers to make secure devices, and that includes notifying people who buy them that they need to change the default passwords, making them secure, and making sure that they're not accessible from the broader internet. But the problem is they're very sort of long-term things, and those are long-term changes. And we all know that culture changes within the security industry can take years to actually take effect, and that's not going to remediate the real short-term pain that we're seeing. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Eric. An addendum. Jingmei Technologies manufactures components and circuit boards built into a number of Internet of Things devices, such as closed-circuit TVs and webcams. Those type of devices have been tools that have been used to conduct the DDoS attack on Dyn and others. 
The Chinese manufacturer says it promises to recall or patch some components and circuit boards that it produces. Keep in mind, however, the components Xing Mei produces for those products represent a minute number of the devices tied to the Dine and other DDoS attacks. Perhaps Xing Mei represents the beginning of that culture change in which Internet of Things manufacturers secure their devices. Breaches have serious consequences, as the internet company Yahoo is finding out. Data Breach Today editor Matt Schwartz, in a blog he posted this week, writes that two conspiracy theories have emerged regarding Yahoo's recent mega breach. Matt joins me. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Eric. Conspiracy theories? I used the conspiracy theory phrase a bit tongue-in-cheek because when Yahoo came out and confirmed that it had suffered a big bad breach in late 2014 that affected 500 million user accounts or more, it was quick to blame a nation state. Almost just as quickly, a third-party security firm came out and said, Actually, no, we've had eyes on the people that hacked Yahoo since late 2012 or early 2013. And these guys are a cybercrime operation. Sometimes they sell what they've stolen to what you might consider to be nation state sponsored groups. But these guys are in it to make a buck and they're solo operators. That was one theory that was put up by Yahoo, probably to make itself try to look better. How could we have resisted a well-funded intelligence agency, for example, from Russia or China? We wouldn't have had a chance. But obviously, you've got this security firm saying, in fact, it was a bunch of crooks. What was the other conspiracy theory? Not long after Yahoo came clean about its breach, it disabled email forwarding. A lot of people reacted badly to that announcement, with some suggesting that Yahoo had disabled email forwarding to try to prevent people from defecting to other services, logging in once, setting their Yahoo mail to forward, and never coming back. But Yahoo said that it had an upgrade in process. This does sound like an accurate explanation for what happened. And Yahoo said it's now re-enabled email forwarding after making some below-the-hood changes in its web mail service. In your blog, you write, while the two aforementioned Yahoo conspiracy theories apparently have been disproved, post-breach reality may still bite. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that Yahoo had the misfortune to have its mega breach get discovered while it was undertaking negotiations with Verizon. In July, Verizon made a $4.8 billion bid for Yahoo. Subsequently, Yahoo disclosed that in late 2014, it suffered the biggest known breach in history. The question is, will Verizon seek a discount? Verizon's CEO, reacting to reports that it would do so, dismissed them as speculation, but he didn't overrule the possibility. What we're seeing is maneuvering by Verizon's attorneys who are saying, well, we still don't have the full results of the breach investigation. Of course, these can take months. And it's saying when we have the full results, we will evaluate whether there was a material impact on Yahoo's value. If I was negotiating for the sale of Yahoo and I was Verizon, I would certainly be claiming that there was a material impact from this breach, looking to get a better price on the deal. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Finally, words matter. And that's something the National Institute of Standards and Technology understands. That's why when NIST next year publishes its fifth revision of its security and control guidance, its authors will strike the word federal from its title. 
This fellow, Ron Ross, is the lead author of The Guidance, and he says the changes in the title and other language in The Guidance promotes the view that security and privacy are national areas of concern, not just for the federal government. This is modifying other wording in The Guidance to reflect the evolving nature of information security. It will use the term systems rather than information systems. Here's Ron Ross. Removing the term information from information system makes the document more welcoming to a much broader constituency. And that's really what we're after. You know, I've always said that cybersecurity is a national level problem. It doesn't stop at the boundaries of the federal government. It goes deep into the private sector, our state and local governments. We're trying to find ways to work on holistic solutions and provide our customers, and we consider our customers not just the federal agencies and all the federal employees, but every citizen out there in the private sector who is working within a certain sector or industry and wants to protect their corporate assets to the best of their ability, small, medium, or large-sized businesses. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.